Welcome to the Portionality Podcast, a curiously sermonic podcast playground for adulting over 30. Because let's keep it real, life will keep life with swift transitions, but together we can honor the moments we are in and keep on living. I am your host, Portia Williams-Gates. Join me every Wednesday as we grow and live together. Now, I don't know who needs to hear this, but somebody needs to hear this. Let me be the one to tell you that you need both prayer and therapy. Come on, somebody say with me, you need both prayer and therapy. Somehow we have gotten this notion that we can just as Christians or as people of faith and believers that we just can just pray and then poof, be gone. I need y'all to know in this year, 2023, in the year of our Lord, in the year of, you know, all of the things, I need someone to understand that therapy works okay and that therapy is important and with that being said welcome back to the portionality podcast i am your host portia williams gates and this episode we are talking all about mental health i will be sharing about my mental health journey and yeah all the things because mental health is a conversation we really need to talk about and it is stigmatized especially within the african-american community and as black folk we need to talk about mental health and that is an across the board every community needs to talk about mental health in their families and their communities but i am specifically speaking from an african-american context therapy is essential for the soul okay Like there's no other way for me to explain that, right? And so we have had this notion, this idea that if we have this solid as a rock prayer life, that somehow we don't need to engage with a therapist. In the same way that you have a doctor for your body, right? A physician in the same way um, that you have that doctor, you also need a doctor for your mind, Um, And just a space to be able to process. So cognitive behavioral therapy is what I have engaged in um, since the time that I was about 16 or so. And I have found that therapy works for me. And I think that everyone at some point in your life should engage the couch. What is the couch? The couch is the place where I say that you and your therapist, (laughs) where you all are sitting down face to face having a conversation. Given our global pandemic, perhaps maybe you can do teletherapy now. You can do a Zoom conversation with therapists. All these things and these tools and resources are now available given all that we have gone through in the global pandemic. You can have access now to therapy in more ways than one. And let's be real. Mental health is a hot topic right now. When I say a hot topic, it means a lot of people are engaging in this conversation. So we are reducing the stigma by keeping the conversation of mental health at the forefront. A lot of times people have had shame and has expressed shame and guilt and fear around mental health and some of their mental health challenges and the spectrum of mental health is wide okay it is wide and people have a lot of shame around it and so we want to help dispel the myth that you need to be secretive about your mental health that you can't talk about it because you can and I think it's healthy to engage right and so when we talk about mental health we can talk about anything from trauma to anxiety to depression to 
ADHD. There's so many different things um, that fall under the umbrella of mental health, right? OCD, right? Multiple personality disorders, bipolar disorders. And these are not things that we need to uh, be ashamed of, right? People are really living with these circumstances and it does not mean that we need to shame people or, um, you know, put people to the side. And after all of what we have all gone through in the pandemic, we all need to be engaging and processing the trauma that we have experienced because we have experienced a collective trauma. If you are living in the United States of America, you have always engaged in some type of collective trauma because to be a black or brown body or um, some type of marginalized community, you are experiencing trauma of some sort in the United States. And so... I would love to just share how I have found therapy to be beneficial. I've engaged therapy. Um, My friends have engaged therapy. My spouse has engaged therapy. And I can tell you, I have noticed the significant differences for every person in my life who has ever gone through a therapeutic journey um, and has worked with a mental health professional. You see, because here's the thing. (laughs) your pastor may or may not be a mental health professional. There are some clergy and there are some pastors and there are some spiritual practitioners who are engaged in mental health work, who are certified and licensed mental health clinical practitioners of mental health. There are people who are licensed, board certified and licensed. But let me tell you something. Every clergy person is not your therapist. Let me say it again. Every clergy person your pastor, your rector, your priest, everyone is not a mental health professional. Yes, we may give pastoral advice. Let me be the first to admit I am not a mental health professional. I am an ordained clergy person. I do provide pastoral care and I also reference people out (laughs) to go get the help that they need because there is only but so much that I can do under the scope of my certification and ordination. And at some point, you need to be able as a clergy person to release somebody to go get the help that they need. And so it is important for clergy people to have in their toolkit references and resources to be able to refer people out. And so I say that to say is I don't want you to think that your pastor is your therapist. They are your spiritual guide, whoever you're working with. And I use pastor as a, as a general term, right? Because it could be a priest. It could be your, um, you know, your iman. It could be your rabbi. It could be whoever you are in spiritual community with. Um, and I primarily come from a Christocentric model. So that's why I use the language of pastor. But it's important to know that your religious leader, your faith leader, may not necessarily be certified to deal with all of the mental health traumas that you may have, especially as you're processing. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't talk to your your leader. That doesn't mean that you don't communicate or be honest about what you're going through, because I think those relationships are quite important to engage. And I think they're important to name what you're going through in those relationships. But it's to say that sometimes you need to kick it up a notch and you need to take it a step further and you need some support that is beyond the scope of what your religious persons 
are capable of doing. And like I said, there are some clergy professionals who have a, you know, a master of social work and who are certified in mental health and trainings of that sort who are able to engage in a therapy that is deeper than just pastoral care in the ministry of presence. Okay. (laughs) So I realized when I was in high school, when I went to therapy for the first time, um, my therapist was a pastor. My therapist actually was a certified and a board certified mental health professional and clinician, as well as a ordained pastor. And so he pastored full time and he also had a practice for mental health within the school system and he saw students. And I really appreciated um, just hearing some things. And he had a biblical approach um, to mental health. And he also had a a very spiritual approach to mental health in the sense that um, he would use the Bible and use spirituality as a tool to emphasize. um, But it was not to say that the Bible was the end all be all for the answer to your mental health. It was not that prayer was the only solution for your mental health, right? He understood that if you needed something, i.e. medicine, right? If you need a little help, a pill, a prescription, he was able to refer you out to a psychiatrist who could give you the tools and the resources that you need. And a lot of times we're afraid to to note that we just need some medicine (laughs) and that we need medication to balance us out with our mental health challenges. I am not um, prescribed on medication, but I do have um, medicinal practices, (laughs) you know, that help me Um, according to my therapist and um, in the help that I have given under the guise of my doctor, that would help me to manage anxiety in order to just keep me calm, right? Or to help me manage with my busy mind because I have ADHD, (laughs) okay? Like full transparency. And I have tools from cognitive behavioral therapy that my wonderful therapist um, from my adult life who I have loved, um, who has given me tools and resources. And she tells me, um, you know, about my bag that, you know, Portia, you have a bag of stuff and you had a bag of stuff that you've been carrying all your life and you've been putting things in there, but sometimes you need to sort through your stuff. And so I have different tools and resources and things to help me sort through my stuff (laughs) and to take personal and self inventory. And so wherever you find yourself in relationship to mental health, um, whether it's a loved one or even with yourself, therapy is good for anyone, regardless if you have a formal diagnosis or not. And the reason why I say this is because we all need someone to talk to and we all need places to process. And a lot of us are carrying trauma and don't even realize it. And so therapy allows us the opportunity to sort through our stuff to sort through the duffel bag of baggage that we've been carrying all of our lives that we don't even realize that there are pieces in that duffel bag and that luggage that we can't even fit anymore that no longer are in alignment with our identity and who we are. And so we need to be able to sort through that stuff. And sometimes the sorting through that takes a little bit of help. And so I say that to say that everyone should go to therapy to deal with their stuff. 
because a lot of times we find ourselves dealing with ourselves through something called coping. And sometimes people cope in different ways. And sometimes people cope through um, substances. And yes, believe it or not, addiction is a form of illness and mental health. And a lot of times we have criminalized addiction instead of treating addiction as a health crisis. Come on, somebody. We have criminalized, uh, we have criminalized, okay, addiction and substance abuse as if it is some type of thing that people should be ashamed of and that they should go to jail for rather than giving them the tools and the resources and realizing that this is something that they need help with on a medical level and on a mental health level, right? And so I say that because I have a long line of family members, um, a long line of extended family members as well who deal with addiction. And I don't think they should be shamed for that. And I do think, however, that they need the the resources and the tools to be able to help them heal and to cope with their mental health issues, right? And so they're using substances to cope with what's really underneath. And so we need to be able um, to destigmatize mental health and therapy so that people can get the resources that they need and that we're not just necess- like just unnecessarily locking people up in jail because of mental health. Like, hello, someone. Um, we really need to think about mental health a little bit more intentionally um, and to destigmatize and decriminalize mental health. So I say that to say everyone can benefit from therapy. How so? There's a book called The Body Keeps Score. I think it's a text that everyone needs to read. The Body Keeps Score. I'll put this in the show notes. And it's from Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And it is a book that everyone really needs to read because there is this scientific discovery that reveals that trauma is not just stored within the mental space, but it's also stored within the body. And trauma is a part of life and trauma happens and we need to understand the science behind how trauma impacts our body and how we can use our bodies as a tool of recovery. So The Body Keeps Score is such a profound book. I think everyone needs to engage that text um, in some kind of way. Another great tool and resource is a book that's coming out called Nervous by Jen Soriano. And this particular text, um, it talks about these essays on heritage and healing and intergenerational trauma and talking about caring for the self and caring for um, persons within your generation and within your family who are going through Uh, nervous system problems, right? And your nervous system is attached to your mental health. Also, another book is Recipe for More, A Recipe for More by Sarah Elise. And this talks about pleasure, right? Breaking cycles of suffering, breaking cycles of body suffering and body trauma and learning how to be kind to yourself, about learning how to be a kind to your body, how to choose pleasure, that the body 
is worthy of experiencing deep pleasure, right? And so when we have gone through traumatic things, the one of the first things to cause triggering, right, or to cause some type of memory is when something interacts with our body. And so a lot of times we are unable to experience pleasure or joy or peace because of the trauma that has occurred in our body. Now, these two books, um, A Recipe for More and Nervous, um, are not necessarily out yet, but they are on the way. And so I think that Everyone should get a chance to read those, especially as they deal from an African-American perspective. But The Body Keeps Score is out. It's been out for quite a while. Um, and I think everyone should take up an opportunity to read that book. And yeah, I just want to just say like mental health is a real conversation. And we cannot just pray it away. I'm not saying that prayer isn't a tool that's powerful because it absolutely is. I believe in prayer. Obviously, I have an episode that it talks about don't forget to pray and how prayer is essential and prayer is necessary, especially when you're in a discernment process. But we cannot have this toxic optimism where we say that prayer is the key and the answer for everything. Yes, prayer is necessary. But in addition to prayer, we need to partner with God with tools and people to give us the resources we need to help our healing for the great optimal wholeness for our lives. And so we have done a terrible job in the church of addressing mental health. We have done a terrible job of really getting to the nitty gritty on what mental health is and the expansive umbrella of mental health that is not just one thing and it's a many things. And so I would just like to empower us to empower our churches and our religious spaces to do a better job, right? I'm all about empowering the people and I want to empower you to demand more from your religious context to talk more about mental health if people are not doing it because we need to destigmatize it. And part of destigmatizing mental health is having the conversation. So let's start there. Let's have the conversation. I am a fan of therapy. You can do talk therapy, you can do teletherapy, you can go in person, you can sit down on the couch, you can do 20 sessions, you can do 10 sessions. It depends on your needs. You may be surprised what you may unearth and what may come up as a result to going to therapy. And also too, let me give you a tip. Don't be that person, you know, where you are. Um, you say your insurance only pays for 10 sessions, right? If you have insurance, because let's be clear, insurance companies don't do a good job of providing mental health resources so people can get the access they need. So there's that too. Okay. Talk about systemic issues in the community. All insurances do not cover mental health, which is a problem in itself. Hmm. So if your insurance allows you a certain number of sessions, which honestly should be unlimited, but you know, do not be the person who only uses the sessions and you're not getting the most out of them where you are on session nine and you decide on session nine to really get to the root of the problem 
And now you really only have session 10, right? Where you were messing around for eight sessions, not really getting to the root. And then you realize when that insurance runs out and now you got to pay out of pocket, now you really want to get to the issue. You know, beloved, you know, get your feet wet on the first on the first round and then go for the deep dive and really get to where you're trying to go. If you feel that your therapist is giving you a safe space, if you don't feel like your therapist is giving you safe space, you need to find another therapist. So, you know, you can date your therapist in the sense that not literally date your therapist, but like you can get to know your therapist, right? You can have a consultation, right? With your therapist and you can get to know them, right through the process of a consultation so when I say date your therapist I don't mean literally go on a date I mean like get to know them you know to see if this is going to be a relationship that works because it is a relationship and the more you know your therapist and the more you begin to trust your therapist for yourself you will begin to open up more and you will share more and you will get to the root of some things so I say that to say get to know your therapist like you get to know other people like you be on you know some of these dating apps swiping left and right you know do your research and do a consultation with therapists to get to know them do their intake form get to know what they do right um get to know their services are they are they using play therapy are they using music therapy are you are they using sound therapy are they using um you know whatever methods um, you know, are they using tarot? Are they using oracle cards? Are they religious? Are they spiritual? Are they using the Bible? Are they a Christian counselor? Right? You know, what are they doing? Um, I do think it's important for married people to go to therapy, you know, for their marriage, you know, in addition to having their own separate therapist, because I think that's important too. And really get to the root of the issues, right? Having the conversations, talking it out working it out, thinking through things, right? And just imagine how much better the world could be if we just allowed ourselves to just come to the table or come to the couch and have the conversation and to really engage one another. I think it would be so powerful um, just for the community, Um, especially for African-Americans, for black folk like y'all, we are still dealing with stuff from enslavement, like the, oh my Lord have mercy, the amount of trauma that we are still, oh, unpacking Ooh, from traumas of traumas and generational trauma from enslavement. We are still unpacking stuff and it has done a number on the psyche of our people and we absolutely need to be in therapy like ain't no ifs ands or buts about it okay and I mean not just black in America but just black globally right whether you are in the islands whether you are in Europe if you are a person of color and your people have been impacted by the transatlantic slave mint trade in any capacity you need to be going to therapy because you your your dna cells are literally carrying trauma and you don't even realize it like there is trauma in your genes beloved right and you have to be the one who has to decide to heal the lineage to decide to course correct for the family because as you heal yourself you also heal your ancestors so your ancestors are still healing even in the afterlife 
and in the other realms. And so for you, you need to do this work, not just for yourself, but for your ancestors. Because when we heal ourselves, we're healing them. And this mental health work, in the same way that we are getting our physical bodies in order, our spiritual bodies in order, you got to get your mental body in order, right? Like you, like get it, get it, like get your mental health in order. And your mental health is deeply connected to your emotional space. And all of that in therapy helps with that. And I think it's essential and it's important. And I think that when we are open to having conversation and community, because there's also the tool of group therapy, right? So say you're not ready for one-on-one, maybe you want to try a group-based model. Group therapy is also beneficial. I actually tried out group therapy when I was in grad school, when I was at Yale, specifically. I, child, let me tell you something, that, that institution was beautiful and a whole lot at the same time let me tell you something that's another day another podcast for another day but I went to group therapy and I was not with anyone who was in my particular school and they do that on purpose right they do not pair you with anyone who is in your degree program And they're really intentional about that. So you are paired with people who are complete strangers, who you never met, and who, quite frankly, you don't know. And I think that is so important because it allows for some privacy and it allows the opportunity for you to freely express yourself without worrying about if somebody know you, right? If somebody gonna go back to campus and spread your business. I don't actually think I knew everyone's name. I don't think we actually shared our names in these programs, right? Um, yeah, I think in this in, in group therapy, we didn't actually share our names. We just knew we knew what programs we were in, but we didn't actually know each other's names. And it was powerful because I realized some people are dealing with some real stuff on campus and dealing with some real like I was dealing with some real stuff, but they were dealing with some real stuff. And I was like, whoa, like so much that some folks were dropping out of their programs. So it was wild, right? And so I say that to say group therapy will help you to feel less alone. Um, You know, there's no advice giving, but you do feel really supported knowing you're not the only one. So maybe group therapy could be an opportunity for you. Maybe it's a model for you um, to just try it out and to see if that works for you. But all that to say, therapy, beloved, is something that we all need to engage in at some point, um, just to deal with our stuff, unpack the stuff. Because I want you to live a whole and healthy life. And a part of living a whole and healthy life is being real about where we are and what we need. And many many of us need to engage in mental health services and to deal with our trauma and to deal with the things that we're holding on to from childhood, the things that we're dealing with, you know, generationally, racially, things that we're dealing with society, like in, as a society, things we're dealing with as a community, right? And just living in this age, in this time, right? So yeah, that's what I want to offer you today. So if you have not done so, make sure you are subscribing and sharing this podcast. 
host. I love you and I appreciate you for listening. If you want to give to this podcast, there is a donation link linked and to the description box. It is a PayPal link. You can find that in the description box, please. If you do um, decide that you want to give, um, you can give reoccurring or you can give one time. That is completely up to you. All the ways you can connect with me is on social media. You can also check out Portionality Media at Portionality, um, www.portionality.com. You can also check me out on social media at Portionality and at Portionality Media. Always happy and grateful for your presence. Um, Take good care and I will talk to you all next time. Be well and be blessed. Be blessed.